Welcome to the Small Business Leader Podcast. Hear from small business leaders that lead, innovate, inspire, build, and lift the global economy every day. Hosted by Jason Johnson, Chief Marlin of Marlin Consulting Solutions. Welcome to the Small Business Leader Podcast. Hear from small business leaders that lead, innovate, inspire, build, and lift the global economy every day. My name is Jason Johnson, Chief Marlin at Marlin Consulting Solutions. We're an organic search agency that helps customers gain and win more business in search engines every day. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Jason Swank as my guest on our podcast today. And it's such a great pleasure because not only... Um, Have I been following Jason's content and consuming it for uh, years? I'm also a fan of his. So it's just a real, real pleasure to have him join us on uh, our podcast today. So Jason, welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, So for those that aren't familiar with you and and haven't uh, heard of you yet, which in in my world, in my industry would would probably be a really small number, but... uh, as a quick background, you had your own digital agency for over 10 years, closer to 12, I believe, if I remember correctly, and you sold it. And then, you know, something interesting happened. You know, we think we sell, we get out, we retire, feet up, flip-flops on, beach mode active, but that didn't happen. So would you share a little bit about your story and your journey with our listeners? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I graduated college down, down kind of by you, right? Like Florida state. And I got a job immediately after with Arthur Anderson and just didn't like it and created an agency, like you were saying for 12 years and, uh, grew it up real big and, and sold it. And I thought I would enjoy kind of just sitting back and, uh, I was depressed, right? You know, you don't have that significance anymore. You don't have that team. You're not working with, the big brands, and I had to find something. And I thought I started thinking the grass is greener on the other side, you know. And and I'm ref- referencing a service company to a product company. So I was like, let me develop an iPhone app. <laughs> and I hated it. And then I was just lucky enough. A couple of years went by, and some old competitors started reaching out to me. It was like, hey, how did you? land clients like Hitachi. How'd you market? How'd you sell? And I just started helping them out for free and kind of landed into the space I am now where I help agency owners grow faster. That's awesome. Um, So it's ironic because I know in some of your uh, uh, sessions that you do, and by the way, thank you for the quarantine session that you're running. I think it's such a great initiative to help agency owners now when they kind of feel trapped or they're kind of uncertain with what direction they're going to take. So um, I'm sure other people have thanked you, but I'd like to also express my gratitude in what you're doing. Oh, um, happy to and, help. And to give our listeners background, Jason's basically giving away all his knowledge one hour a day for 14 days nonstop um, at, at no cost to, to people who could use it. So um, that, that's the reason. But to, to back up into what I was talking about, it sounds like you ended up kind of becoming an agency a little bit or a training agency for agencies, but it sounds accidental, which is something you usually reference being an accidental agency owner. Yeah. I mean, everything I do is pretty much accidental, right? Um, (laughs) You know, you know, from creating the agency to, you know, really kind of creating this media company or training company for agencies. Right. And uh, it's always amazing. Like, and I always tell everybody, I think everybody's kind of accidental. 
because you always have to kind of look for the writing on the wall and see what things are actually sticking. And uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. That's that's how my life's always been. It's kind of accidental. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, considering I'm originally born and raised in the Caribbean, and I now live in Jacksonville, Florida, by way of New Jersey, I would be uh, I would be inclined to agree to I've, I've kind of hobbled along a similar path. So that being said, man, you've had a couple different companies from the sound of it, right? You've worked for a big consulting firm like Arthur Anderson. Uh, you've owned your own, you know, multi million dollar agency. You're now doing this. So along the way, and, and I tell this people all the time, you know, people say, oh, you own your business. That's great. You know, you, have you made any mistakes? And I'm like, do you have two years? Because um, it's going to take a long time to highlight all those. But what what are some of the mistakes you made that you kind of learned the best lessons from that in the end, you ended up kind of being grateful that you actually made the mistake because it turned into something awesome? Well, this it all goes back to being accidental, right? <laughs> And, you know, when I interview people on my show, a lot of times the most successful ones have the most compelling and amazing vision of where they want to go. And I said, so did you have this vision when you first started out? And they're like, oh gosh, no, it took me halfway through my career. Like it literally, I think we started coming up with where we wanted to go around year seven, (laughs) right? And we were just reacting to the market. And what prompted me to do that is I got to a point where I think we were around a couple million in revenue at the time. And I was just unhappy. I just hated it. Like literally, you know, when you just like dread going into work and I was just like, we got to do something a little bit different. And so my wife was like, just go get a job. And I was like, what? And like owning a business or being an entrepreneur, that's like the ultimate failure, I think, right? That's kind of like put your head between your legs and walk backwards. And so I started interviewing and I interviewed with this one company and they asked me, what do you want to do every day? And what don't you never want to do ever again? And I thought about that and I went home and I got a sheet of paper and I drew a circle on the page. And so just picture drawing a circle about as big as your fist. And I started writing down all the stuff I didn't want to do outside the circle And then eventually, once I brain dumped for about a half hour of all the crap I never want to do ever again, then I started writing what I wanted to do in the circle. And from then I realized, wow, I can, sorry, I'm losing my voice. Wow, I can kind of create what I wanted in my own agency. And I started doing that and that changed everything. And then we were able to grow substantially after that. That, That's awesome. And for everybody listening, I think it's a very worthwhile epi- uh, exercise. Um, to be honest with you, I've done that, which is, uh, and it was actually slamming my fist in the desk from frustration. It helped me create the circle. But um, the the truth is, and it's been said so many times by so many different people, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? And that's typically what builds the passion for every entrepreneur, and like not only agency owners, but people in just about any business that if they really like what they do, it doesn't really feel like they're working. And uh, I think that's, that's really what you're getting at. And that's, that's fantastic. Um, someone, and I know that- yeah. Someone told me this the, the other day on my podcast, it was, and it was pretty cool. He goes, I want you to picture there's a rider and, and there's an elephant and the rider's on the elephant and the rider represents um, what you, 
what you want, um, the business direction that you took, right? But you can only steer the elephant for so long and the elephant's your passion. Eventually that elephant's going to go where he wants. <laughs> that is a super interesting analogy. I'm trying to picture myself riding on an elephant. I have rode a, I, I have rode a camel. So, you know, that's as close as I'll get to a. To that. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if I'd to ride an elephant. Those things are pretty big. Uh, yeah, especially the whole runaway part, which is the moral of the story, right? That riding an elephant eventually is going to head in whichever direction it wants to go in. That's right. You know, it doesn't really speak profoundly to control. But, I mean, that's also a great segue into what I consider to be one of the best pieces of a business advice I've ever heard. And it came from one of the most unlikely sources. And it was a quote on television from none other than Mike Tyson, right? And everybody looks to him, of course, for entrepreneurial advice. But what struck me a long time ago was when he said, uh, they were asking him, I think it was the Riddick bow fight, and Riddick had talked about all the training he'd done and all the planning he'd done. And they looked at Mike and they said, Mike, what do you think about this plant? And Mike looks at a reporter and says, well, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I feel like entrepreneurialism and like owning your own business is a lot like that, right? We do our absolute best to plan and forecast and report. But at the end of the day, like the market clients, you know, all these external factors are just going to, you know, throw a monkey wrench in the works. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we... I grew up playing tennis and played tennis in college. And um, I always remember, yeah, we'd always have a plan. But the thing is, is you got to always adapt the plan depending on how your opponent's doing or how the market's doing. You know, if you're in business, like right now it's kind of crazy times, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. So you just got to be willing to be resourceful. I think that's the, the best thing if you're um, trying to grow a business or run a business or, or whatever you're doing, I think being resourceful and being able to adapt is probably one of the, the number one things that um, those are the traits I always looked in, in leaders and people that I would hire. And I agree. One of the things ironically that we've been doing since this whole COVID pandemic and depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, we're, we're still in the middle of like lockdown mode at this point in time. But one of the things we've actually been putting out for clients is like simple checklists. They're nothing super profound, but I feel like they just need some kind of, you know, starting point in order to be able to move forward. So, you know, stuff like adding a pop-up to your website or adjusting the, the, the hours on your Google My Business page or, you know, just communicating with clients, like how to do business with you now. While for some might be like, well, that's super obvious. For some people, they're still like a little bit of deer in the headlights and they don't know what's going on. And they just figured by now this would all be over. Yeah, it's, uh, you just got to keep pushing. And um, <laughs> there's, it, and, and I laugh at it, not, it's just, you have to constantly look at things a little bit different and really kind of challenge the style, st- status quo and really figure out what works by just testing out a, a, a thousand different things. And uh, yeah, but it sounds like your podcast is a lot like ours where we record so far out in advance. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as far out as you are yet, but I'm, I'm trying to gain, I'm trying to gain a little traction where, where there is a little bit of a buffer. Um, it, it has been easier though to get guests. Not everybody's kind of trapped. 
Uh, I have noticed that. So that's one of the positive takeaways from a pandemic. People have more time to actually join you when you ask. So that part's been kind of neat. Yeah. Well, they can't um, use the excuse I'm traveling or I'm on vacation. <laughs> exactly. The, the mic one still comes up all of them. I can't get my mic to work. I can't do it. But you can dial in. It's fine. No, oh no, no. Gosh. So yeah, it's some of it's kind of funny, but you know, that's that's part of the takeaways of 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 the evolving scenario. So one of the neat things and one of the real cool reasons I love having you here is because you've transitioned from working with uh, clients from a B2B perspective to working with, you know, peers essentially and fellow agency owners in the B2B section. And from a marketing perspective, um, I always try and tell clients, you know, the more content you can create to help users of your product or business or service solve their problems, the more apt they're going to be to reach out to you. And have, have you proved, have you seen that proven true in what you're doing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, content's king, but I think the biggest challenge that people have issues with creating content is they might not know their audience or they might not have got a really good focus of who that audience actually is. And if you don't know who that audience is, then you don't know their biggest challenge or what they want, or, you know, how can you communicate to them? What type of content do they need? And that's really kind of the you know, when we're, when I was starting to walk people through the 14 day quarantine, you know, it was like, look, you have to, you can't be a jack of all trades. You have to be a specialist and look at it as if you needed heart or let's say brain surgery, right? You needed a brain surgeon. Are you going to go to your general practitioner? He's got an MD. He's got the white lab coat. Looks like a regular doctor, right? Like, no, you're going to go to a specialist. And so I always tell people, I'm like, you have to know them. And then you have to tell the right story. I think too many people are telling the wrong story in their marketing. They're highlighting themselves. They're talking about their, and I'm talking more about the service-based world. They're highlighting their awards. They're highlighting their people. But think about as a prospect that has a problem, do you really care if they want awards? I don't. I want to understand, do you understand me? Do you understand my problem? Have you helped people like me? And what's the plan in order to um, make me have success for what I want? And if you demonstrate that, you're going to build some trust. And I'll be like, oh, you're an authority. And then if I start seeing your content, I'll be like, wow, you know, I think I can't remember the stat. You probably know this more than I do of like how many touch points does someone need to have with you before they build trust or they recognize your brand? And, and that's really what content can do. And especially now, I mean, we're all quarantined. Um, the only um, media that's kind of been affected or have gone down a little bit is podcasting, right? The download numbers are down. And, and I started thinking about, I was like, why? And then I'm like, oh, people aren't traveling or commuting. <laughs> It's funny you said that. I mean, I've I've noticed the same thing, and it's the exact same scenario. So when I when I created my podcast, I wanted the timing to to just work for commuting, right? And in Jacksonville, where where I live, um, it takes like fifteen minutes to get just about anywhere. So the deal was we're going to do thirty minute episodes, right? So you can listen to half of it on your way there and half of it on your way back, and you can close the you know you can close the the, the chapter and, and turn to the next page at that point. And um, yeah, we've kind of seen the same thing, but we've also seen a resurgence in Facebook Live and video type consumable content. 
um, which is which is interesting with people being home. I guess they rather watch than listen. Um, which oh, is of one course. Of the we- yeah, I mean, videos are up. Like, I remember when this started happening, I did a Facebook Live, and I haven't done it in forever. And literally, we had triple the numbers we've ever had. And I was like, and I didn't even promote it. I literally just went live. <laughs> and I was like, holy cow. Or even on the quarantine, right? Like we've done uh, workshops in the past. Um, usually eh, 100, 200 show up. There was 1,100 people that were registered. And over 500 people showed up for the first couple of days. And then you have dwindle off, right? Um, but yeah. But yeah, it's been crazy. I've found I attend the the, the quarantine, um, which I've found like tremendous value in, and it's just been awesome. Um, the that being said, one of the initiatives I kind of took with with my local businesses here, and I'm involved with the Chamber of Commerce and different things, was I felt like everybody locally was so accustomed to networking, so I started a virtual networking group essentially on. Um, using Zoom, kind of the same format you did uh, and you have, and that's what we've been doing. So we've been basically growing that virtual networking group where people can connect, you know, join the meeting. Um, and, you know, it's just an open forum, so to speak. It, and it's it's coordinated, right? Everybody kind of goes in order. But um, so far, people have made connections and they've found value and they've realized they don't need to actually drive somewhere to have the same impact right? They have to, to do the basics, right? They have to perfect their elevator pitch. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you, you agree. I know your last, uh, your, one of your last sessions was on the elevator pitch and perfecting it and, you know, making it impactful and, and all that kind of stuff. So that being said, would you share a couple tips on, you know, how to improve your elevator pitch, especially if you're doing it virtually or by mm-hmm. or via video? Yeah. So the first thing is, is you got to make sure you actually specify who you actually help, right? Just don't be like, I help small business. Small business is not a target market and it's not very descriptive. You want your elevator pitch to really intrigue someone. And if you're talking to the exact person, you want them to be like, Ooh, I like that. Tell me more. Right. So for example, like our elevator pitch is this and, and you can modify, you can modify it longer, shorter, you can play with it, but it has to be memorable. It has to be repeatable. Like it has to be where your clients, your prospects, your partners, your employees can actually remember it and repeat it. It can't be like this. We are a service company in SEO specializing in law. It's like, what the heck are you? Am I talking to Rosie from the Jetsons? But it has to be like something like this. Like uh, the example I used on the quarantine was a nonprofit who's a nonprofit in, in uh, um, they help nonprofits do websites. And that's what they used to say. And we discovered by figuring out what a, what a nonprofits want, they want more members. They want more donors. They want more volunteers. And why do they want that, right? They want to spread their message. So their elevator pitch is, oh, we help nonprofits get more members, donors, and volunteers so they can spread their message, right? Like that's compelling. It's easy to say. Other people can say it. You can modify it and be like, we help nonprofits get more donors. We help nonprofits get more volunteers, right? We help nonprofits get more members, right? So you can play with it depending on who you're talking with. You know, like ours is we help agencies uh, create the freedom to pick and choose and do what they love or we can intertwine that and say, we help agencies grow their agency faster through using an eight system framework, right? So then we kind of throw in a plan. So 
you can play with it, have fun with it. It just, you have to adapt it uh, to who you're uh, chatting with. And you just want that person to say, tell me more. And, and that's fantastic advice and some great examples. Uh, I've been, you know, working and refining my own. So, and, and it's something that I think you would agree can, can always evolve until you find that you've really kind of dialed it in. Um, it's not really necessarily something you have to get right the very first time you try and do it. Exactly. But as you practice it and work with it, you'll get better and better at it till you find the one that, that fits, right? And then that's effective. Well, um, everything, everything evolves. Like you can never be comfortable. I think when you're comfortable or you say these, this line, we've always done it this way. <laughs> Might as well go to the unemployment office. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I agree. And this is another, just a great segue into one of the other things you mentioned. And it was, it was kind of, the headline was kind of buried in the elevator pitch part, but the fact that um, you you alluded to and you talk about it because it's part of your elevator pitch with setting up the right strategies and systems, I think also you know makes a huge difference between growing businesses and stagnant businesses, right? Lots of times I feel like some of the clients we engage with that have found that they've become stagnant in, for example, in the organic placement and stuff. It's because they really don't have a good way of measuring it. They don't have uh, the proper metrics in place like the planning and strategy is is off and therefore the activity doesn't necessarily match up. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, creating the right systems and creating the right strategies makes all the difference. And how, I guess, so here's my question to you. When you started, you know, setting up these strategies and, and systems in your business and a business owner who might not have done this before, where would you recommend somebody start? Like what would be the first place someone should start looking at setting up a system or a strategy to grow their business? Well, you got to look at, so when we say system, we're not just talking about technology, right? We're, we're talking about like, we have a framework to follow. Okay. And, and having a framework and systems that you can follow will get you through, like you have to look at the phases of a business, right? When you first start a business by accident, in most cases, it's fun. And you're like, oh man, this is easy. And then you're like, well, let me scale it up, right? That's kind of the, the, the next words that come out of your mouth. And you're like, let me scale this sucker up. And you start doing that, you start hiring more people. And what happens is it gets complex. And so you have complexity there. And the only way to get through the complexity is to set up the right systems and documentation so people can make decisions without you. So you're not the toll booth, right? Everybody has to go through you, the owner, right? And, and the line is very, very long. So you want to set up other kind of lanes that people can make decisions. And so you got to kind of really look at the, the first system. And we kind of alluded to this in the very beginning of the show is getting clarity, right? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to help? How do you want to help them? Why do you want to do this? So now you give the power to your team to actually create more lanes for the toll booth. So now people can make decisions and go faster. And then the second one is really kind of positioning, right? We talked about that a little bit. Like, how can we position the company to stand out and not look like everybody else? What's the right off, right? And then the next is offering. And so you just need to look at Kind of like I look at the foundation of any kind of business is clarity, positioning, your offering, 
and then prospecting, sales, delivery, right? Operations and then leadership. And I kind of break it down into eight. And then I have strategies within those systems in order to you know, really kind of get to the next level and get through that complexity where things are a little bit sustainable, they're predictable. And uh, yeah. No, I, I agree. And one of the, the things I've learned in my business is to your point, right? Having systems and strategies is if it's repeatable, uh, if something goes wrong, it's fixable, right? Because you can identify what the issue is in a particular process and say, oh, we didn't account for that variable. Let's go ahead and and, and make this adjustment so that we communicate better, so that we set better expectations, so that the client understands their role and expectations better. So um, I agree with you 100% on all that. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Um and I feel like a lot of small business owners, when they make those connections and they start to actually see systems work and strategies work, um, that they get addicted to it. Have you seen the same thing with the agencies that you've uh, you know, been involved with, with and been helping over the years? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it gets exciting. But then here's what happens, right? When When you do a really amazing job and you really start transforming into the CEO, And I tell everybody this, I go, look, when you start transforming into the roles that you're supposed to as a CEO, you're going to be depressed. And they were like, what? I'm like, yeah, you're going to be depressed. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, because you're going to go into a meeting that you always used to, and you're going to say, how can I help? And they're going to say, I got it. You're going to go in the next one. I got it. I got it. I got it. Then you're going to go home to your significant other and you're going to be like, the business doesn't need me anymore. (laughs) And then you're going and then I'm going to slap you around and say, the business doesn't need you for the stuff you used to do. Now you're the true CEO. Now you need to go into your new role. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of funny because when people have said to me, you know, like, what's your goal with your business? Where do you want to take it? You know, all that kind of fun stuff. I've always said, well, you know, that vision is, is, is one thing, but I'm looking to achieve, you know, critical mass first. And they're like, well, what do you consider critical mass? And I'm like, critical mass in my business is when a client enters our frameworks, goes through all our systems, comes out the other side, happy and a raving fan. And I find out about it after. That's great. Right. And and, and that's something I'm, you know, that I'm constantly trying to, to grow to. We're, we're there at times, right? It's like an engine that requires tuning, <laughs> right? The engine's firing. It sputters every once in a while, misfires. And, you know, of course, there's a loud bang when it misfires every once in a while. But overall, like as, it's, as it comes together and the more and more it happens, the more excited I get because of it. Um, so I absolutely see what you're, what you're saying where it gets to the point where it's like, well, what do I do now? Um, <laughs> yep. So uh, I, I look forward to that day personally. I don't know if depression will be a, 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 a something that I enter into, uh, but I, I think it celebration. Every, everybody enters into it. It's amazing. Like I did. Every, everybody does. But yeah, that it would just, yeah, it depends on how quick you get through it. <laughs> that is true. Depressed for like a minute and like, oh, wait, I'm here. That's what I've been trying to do the whole time. Um, cool, man. So in the last couple minutes, like we don't have a lot of time left in, in, in our commitment, but in what's happening now and everything else with the changes in business going from, you know, a lot more uh, brick and mortar to, to, to virtual and all that kind of stuff. 
do you see in in some of the veins that you interact with the the possibilities of more mergers and acquisitions potentially coming out of this uh, businesses streamlining and combining or is it just going to be business owners packing up and saying hey look I want to sell um, you know what, what have you seen in the uh, in the market at this point in time well it's still only about three weeks four weeks in right and so the the dust is still kind of kicking up so it hasn't settled yet I'm I would probably presume that there's a lot of agencies looking to acquire, right? So I'm a a part owner of one agency in Canada and we're always looking to acquire and and we're looking at this opportunity as an opportunity and saying, how can we find the right agency at the right time for the right price that two plus two equals eight? And we could give them a great opportunity as well. So I, I see a lot of, I, I see it coming down the pipe. You know, we we started this business about eight months ago. And we're already a little over $2 million in EBITDA, which is net profit. And, the, and we've been growing through acquisition. So I think this will just speed everything up for the other agencies and other businesses that want to acquire the smaller people or sometimes even the bigger people, right? A small company can acquire a big company. There's no reason why you cannot. You just have to be creative. I agree. And I think that is a, uh, a fantastic place to leave it for today. That puts us right up against our 30-minute commitment. And uh, Jason, I'd like to, again, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I think we covered a whole lot of different space and there's some great information for our listeners, which is what we shoot for. So thank you again for joining me. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So that's it, everybody. That's a wrap. As you can hear, there's nothing bigger than a small business. Small businesses are the engines of not only local economies, but the global economy. So thank you for joining me in this episode of the Small Business Leader Podcast, and we look forward to having you join us again in the future. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Leaders Podcast. We hope you've been inspired by today's episode because small businesses are the engines not only of local economies, but of the global economy. So make sure to subscribe to continue hearing from innovative leaders. And remember, there's nothing bigger than a small business. See you next time.